Hey, so if you have version on your phone like me, you can look at the notes there. Um, there, are, there should be a set of notes nearby you if you you're want to do analog and, and, uh, and write it out there. The set of notes you can follow along, and uh, the notes will be on the screen too. Today is our second uh, part of our journey to Christmas uh, as we talked last week about Advent, meaning the one who comes. And so we're talking about the coming of the Lord, and, and we're taking a journey. We started last week with uh, Genesis chapter 3, uh, where the first promise of Christmas actually takes place in the book of Genesis chapter 3. But it wasn't a promise to, uh, you know, to uh, Adam or Eve. It was actually a promise to the devil. Um, when God said uh, to the serpent, he said, you will strike his heel, but he will crush your head. And so we talked about that last Last week as it was a, a promise of Christ himself, the, the seed of the woman. Um, and so we're going to continue on and we're going to take a snapshot that's actually comes out of the Old Testament today. We're going to talk about the law of God. Um, we're going to talk about the pattern of how God wanted his people to live. And we'll get there in just a minute. Before I get there, let me tell you a little parable little story that originates out of Africa. Story goes like this. There were two neighboring tribes. Uh, both of them had kings, and one of the kings had a son. And so the neighboring tribe, uh, the king with, that ha had a son, they, they sent some spies into the camp of the king who had the son, and they took, they kidnapped the king's son, and they took him back to their uh, to, back to their. Uh, 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 area, their their domain, and they uh, put him in as a slave. They, they kept him chained, and they had him working their fields, and here was this prince of the neighboring, uh, the neighboring tribe, and here he is constricted uh, and conscripted to slave labor in that, uh, in that other tribe's field. And so as he's out there working, uh, they thought they would break him down. So week in and week out, week in and week out, they had him working in the field, and the heat of the sun, gave him just very little bit of water, didn't give him a whole lot of food, thought if we can, if we can weaken him, if we can break his spirit, then, then we will have a, gained a victory over the other tribe. We can, we can hold him up as an example of what we're going to do to the neighboring tribe. But every day, that prince, that slave who was a prince, would come out to the field and he would look up at the sky and he would smile and then he would sing a song, and I'm not going to sing it for you, but he would sing a song, and every day he would just have a song in his heart, and then he would work as if it was his own field, and he would work diligently all day long, sweating, and, and just, but at the same time, he would, uh, he would have a, a hum, he would have a song on his heart. And they watched this day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out. After a month and a half of having this guy uh, as their slave, one of, one of the slave, uh, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the guards came to him and said, why is it? Why is it that we have been so miserable to you and we have tortured you and we have kept you out here and yet the whole time you've got this song in your heart? Why is that? He said, it's very simple. You see, on the inside, I'm a prince. And whatever you do to me on the outside has nothing to do with who I am on the inside. I, my body might be a slave, but in my soul, I'm a prince. I'm the son of the king. And there's nothing you can do 
to change that. You know, I, I like that parable because I think it, it talks to us about where we live as believers. You know, we are people who, are, who understand that there's a kingdom that's beyond this world. Now, we were born into this world, but we, we are citizens, the Bible says, of a kingdom that doesn't belong to this world. Are you tracking with me? And so you and I have the opportunity... As believers, we can choose to live according to the rules of this world or according to the rules of the kingdom of heaven. We have that choice. Now, some of us don't really realize how much we are influenced by the pattern of this world. And what God did in, in, uh, in the Old Testament as he brought out the law is he wanted the, the people of Israel to understand just the nature of the sinfulness of sin. You see, in the world that we live in, it's just what, uh, it, it, it's what we, uh, we are accustomed to. You know, there are probably things in your house you, you pass by. You know, I, I, I joke about this whenever my dad comes to visit because he sees all the stuff that's wrong in my house. I know it's there, but I choose not to see it anymore. So when he comes, he said, son, last time I was here about a year ago, that piece of trim is still separated. You know, it's a little piece of cord around, and it needs a nail in it, and you need to caulk it. It'll be there next time he comes because <laughs> I choose not to see it. I walk by it every day, and it doesn't bother me anymore. But, you know, some of us, there are things that are in our lives, and it's just the way life is growing up, and you just have accepted it. You just, you just said, okay, this is just part of it, and I'm just going to learn to deal with it. But there are things that Jesus wants you to know that you don't have to put up with anymore. There are things that are related to the, the world in which you live, the family of origin in which you find yourself, that those things are not of God, and yet you've accepted them as if they are your lot in life. And I'm here to tell you today that you're a son, not a slave. I'm here to tell you that you are redeemed. I'm here to tell you that Jesus came to purchase you as a slave so that he might set you free. And that you should walk in everything that God says is available to you because that is what honors God. That is what honors God. And some of us have gotten really good at putting up with stuff that we're actually redeemed from. And he doesn't want, to put, want us to put up with it. He wants us to walk in the redemption that he's made available to us. So uh, let's uh, read this text out loud uh, together. Will you do that with me? Galatians chapter 4. But when the time had fully come... God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Number one in your notes, we don't understand our need of a Savior until we understand the sinfulness of sin. Here's the point of that 
uh, of what Galatians is talking about. Galatians describes to us this quandary that the, that the church found itself in because there were those who were saying, it's okay that you know Jesus, but you really need to keep the law. And they wanted the, the people who are believers in Christ to go back and keep all of the Jewish feasts, to keep all of the Jewish rituals, circumcision included, uh, dietary laws included. They said, it's good that, that you serve Jesus, but you must keep the law. And what Paul is doing in the book of Galatians is he's pointing out that the law was added so that people would understand that it's impossible to please God in our flesh. We've got to get to the place where we understand that the holiness of God is, is on a, a completely different plane than our ability to keep it to keep up with it, to actually please God in and of ourselves, in and of our flesh. And so we wouldn't be frustrated. We could just be our jolly old selves except somebody brought the law, right? God brings the law, and, and then we understand, man, you know, I didn't, uh, yeah, just because I coveted, I didn't worry about coveting because I didn't know coveting was a problem. But God says it is, so I guess it is. Right? The, the categories of sin cause us to be, to be able to uh, understand. The law was added after sin was already in the world, but the law was added so what we might understand. Boy, that's really, that really is sinful. We didn't know that it wasn't. Um, let me give you a, a, an example. True story. Just, uh, just a couple days ago, I had lunch, uh, I mean breakfast with, uh, with Matt Geppert, who's the president of Southeast Asia Prayer Centers. One of the, one of the men who serves in, uh, with SEAPC, his name is Hubert Chan, and Hubert goes into unreached people groups all over the world, per predominantly in Southeast Asia. Um, several of us in this room have traveled with Hubert uh, through the years. Hubert is an amazing character. He's won more uh, unreached peoples to the Lord than anybody else I know. I'm, when I'm talking to unreached people group, I said, Hubert, how do you go to an unreached people group? He said, well, it's like this. He said, you take the, the public transportation as far as you can go. Then you take the local transportation as far as you can go. And then you walk for the next five or six hours. And when you stop, you're right in the middle of the unreached. It sounds vague, but that's how he does it, right? So Hubert um, was, uh, he said, he was at uh, the, the, the friends around the table and Lynn was there. Um, and so I'm hearing this secondhand so Lynn can correct me. But, um, but Hubert was uh, telling the story about, um, about the, the, the need for workers. And he was telling a story that happened to him just a, just a short time prior to the meeting at Friends Around the Table that happened in October. And uh, he talked about how the, he went into a tribe uh, and there were two tribes and they were cannibals. And, there, and so he goes into these, these tribals, and he goes in by himself. There's nobody else with him. And Hubert just goes in, and why is he there? He's going to preach the gospel to him. He's going to share Christ with them. And so he goes into, now, how many of you would think in the 21st century that there are no cannibals left in the world? Well, not in your corner of the world, right? And how many of you would say, it's wrong to eat another human being? I would agree with that, you know, but... Because they don't have the law, because they don't know any different, because for generations that's the way they've always done it, they don't see it as wrong. And Hubert goes into that situation and, and all of the people standing there, he was going to see the head man and share the gospel with the head man and everybody that he walked past just said this to him. 
when you get to the head man, it's, it's over. And he went in, and I don't know all the details, but he shared Christ with the, with, with the head man of that village. And the guy came to know the Lord. And those two tribes no longer eat each other <laughs> because of the gospel. How, how would you say that's, that's a victory right there, right? I mean, we're worried about figuring out are we going to be vegan or vegetarian or glucose-free, right? Different world. But, you know, the law was added so that, so that we might understand how sinful sin actually is. And it was added to frustrate you and I. Have you ever uh, worked for a boss that you just couldn't ever figure out what they wanted? Have you ever worked for, uh, none of my staff better say anything. And uh, so, but, but you get, you know, it's frustrating to work someone. No matter what you do, you do your best work and they turn it down. You, everything that you do, you say, I'm, I'm going to put my, I'm going to put extra time into this. I'm going to figure it out. And then you come in and they just turn it down flat and say, it's not good enough. Not good enough. Not good enough. Not good enough. When you and I realize that we can't, we can't honor the Lord with our works because it's just not good enough then we're real close to understanding we need a savior. We're not far from the kingdom of God. See, the law paints the prison bars around us, locking us up by our own humanity. Romans chapter 7, verse 9. Once I was alive apart from law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. You think you're doing okay, and then somebody says, you're playing by the wrong set of rules. It just doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. You can't serve God the way you want to serve God. Like this. This, is why, this is why Paul spends the time to write the book of Galatians. And he's saying to them, you can't keep the law because the only thing that the law does is point out sin. You'll do your best in the law, point out something else in your life that's not right. You can't win at that game. The law was not given to cleanse you from sin. It was given to frustrate you so you would throw up your hands and say, I quit. God says, you got it. Here's my son. He did it all. He kept the law. He is perfect. Not just was, is. He was your substitute. You couldn't do it on your own. Well, what am I supposed to do? Get on your knees, humble yourself, lift your hands in worship to Jesus and say, praise God. You did it all. You did everything. The only thing left to do is humble yourself in worship. That's our position before God. It's not by works lest any man should boast. Well, you know, I've read the word more than you. Big deal. I know the scriptures in Hebrew and Greek. Big deal. It's Jesus. Believe on the one. Believe on the one. What is the work of God? The work of God is this, to believe in the one that he sent. That's the work of God. There's no comparison. There's no categories. I'm a better Christian. What does that even mean? Better Christian than you. What does that mean? That's like, that's like Jeremy saying uh, to Heather, I'm a better Kramer than you. She's a Barton now, but you get the picture. It's all about DNA. 
right? Here's, now I'm going to take, I, this wasn't in my notes and I didn't say it in the 8 o'clock, so y'all are blessed. It's not a repeat, this is fresh. Do you know in the Bible it says, be holy for I am holy? What if that wasn't a command so much as it was a promise? What if God says, I'm a holy God and you're my offspring? And you're able to be holy because I'm holy. It's a promise. It's a promise. You say, I can't do it. Well, you're looking in the wrong place. In your new creation, you can. In Christ, you can. In Christ, we are holy. We're not, in, we're not holy because of our actions. We're holy because of our faith in the living God. Amen. Number three, the law points the pathway for how Christ would have to come into the world. Let me go back to Galatians 4 again. When the time had fully come, God is up to something in history. Have you found your place in history yet? God is working in your life, and you are a part of his last day's plan to, that you would enter into all that God has for you and that your life would count for eternity because, you know, in the words of the immortal words of the gladiator, what we do echoes for eternity, right? And so you and I need to recognize that what we do today, we're going to see again at the marriage supper of the lamb, you know, because God's got this big video screen up there, and we're just going to be watching the story of God's glory for all eternity. And what God wants to do on the inside of you, he wants to do through this pathway that Christ has created. When the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under Law And so the, the Jews had received the most light that any people on the planet had ever received up, in, up until that time. God himself meets with Moses. Moses comes down from the mountain and he has the law of God. He comes down and he delivers it to the people. Moses meets regularly with the Lord. He comes down. This is what God is saying. No people on the planet had ever received that much light. No people on the planet had God ever uh, chosen. Here's, here's the thing. Israel was not special. Uh, you know, Israel was not chosen because they were special. They were special because God chose them. Are you tracking with me? It's important for us to understand that. God chose them and created for himself a people. Said, live this way, and they lived that way. Follow me this way, and they followed God that way. And so he laid down for us, through the people of Israel, uh, the most important information that we could get. And yet, it wasn't complete until Jesus Christ himself came up. 2,000 years ago. God sent his son born of a woman. Do you remember uh, that last week that that was one of the issues that, that came up? Pain and childbirth came as a result of sin that entered the world. And so in order for God to start a new race, that race had to be folded into the original human race. Born of a woman. Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, born of a woman. And then born under the law. Jesus wasn't born to another tribe or another race. Uh, he wasn't born to the Gentiles. He was born under the law. The most light that any people had ever received. And Jesus came so that, uh, so that we might, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. 
Number four, and this is where I'm going to close this morning. Christ redeemed us from slavery by making us sons. The story that I shared earlier is that the, is that the man who was a son became a slave. But he never forgot that he was a son. And some of you in this room have received the sonship of Christ, but you have never gotten free from slavery. You've never gotten free from a slavery mindset. You've never gotten free from this, I've got I've to do things a certain way, otherwise I'm not going to measure up to God's expectations. Forget about God, I'm not going to measure up to my spouse's expectations or my mother's expectations or my grandmother's expectations. We live under these expectations that others place on us and we do so to our detriment because we make ourselves slaves and in bondage to what others think of us and God says we're a son. God says we're a son. This whole issue of fear, can I, can I tell you that I know that according to Scripture that in the last days the Bible says that men's hearts will fail them for fear? Can I tell you that uh, we encounter young people all the time and, and, then, young, and then older people uh, who, who struggle under the labor under anxiety? Can I tell you that, that God wants to free you from that? That anxiety happens because, just let me put it this way, stress happens because I'm in one place, but I feel like I should be somewhere else. I'm in one place in my relationship, but I feel like I should be somewhere else in my relationship with it. So stress happens. The boss comes in and says, come on, pick it up. You don't have enough time to be lollygagging. You're not turning out enough. Stress starts to happen, right? Because we're, we're, we're at one pace and he wants us at another pace. So that, that creates stress in our life. Everything in our life at some level can, can cause us stress. The house isn't as clean as it should be. The, the kids are not as well behaved as they should should be I mean come on, all of these things right when do you ever get rest from that let me tell you where rest comes from Jesus Christ come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I'll, I will give you rest well what am I supposed to do Jesus it's not about doing it's about believing the work of God is this to believe in the one he has sent that's the work yeah but what if I want to be better than somebody else? You can't. You don't get to. God doesn't have favorites. He doesn't show favoritism. He has sons. Yeah, but I don't like that because I have a competitive personality. Check it at the door. We are brothers and sisters. Right? Those things don't belong. Check those things at the cross. Those things don't belong. Enter into his rest. Why? Because without his rest, you don't have a sustainable lifestyle. You're going to strive. You're going to pursue money. You're going to pursue what you don't have. And what you don't have is going to create stress because you're where you're at. And you're not where you want to be. What if Jesus could just sweep in here and prove to you that you're a son and you're not a slave. He redeemed you. What's the curse of the law? Does anybody know? The curse of the law <clears throat> says, says it like this. This is the language. If you do this, then I will do this. 
Now, let's imagine with me, right? There were, there were different covenants. God gave Abraham a covenant. And you know what Abraham, you know what he did in order for Abraham to receive the covenant? He, he waited till he was asleep. And God said to Abraham, I will bless you. And you will be a blessing. I will make your name great. You are blessed to be a blessing. And there was no if. It was all I will. And so Abraham lived several hundred years before Moses. So Moses goes up on the mountain and God makes the covenant. And this is where the law, that's what we're talking about, the law. The law was added after Abraham. And the law was added after Abraham's blessing. So God didn't change his mind about what he was doing. God always had it in his heart to bless people, but he added the law to bring about this interaction. First of all, the, the Jews were going to need to interact with one another, and so the law was added so, so that they could uh, punish evildoers and keep people on the right track and move them forward. But it was never meant to bring life. And what it did was it created this level of frustration uh, until the time of Christ. Right, And so what you and I need to realize is that the same God of the Abrahamic blessing, he wants us to walk in that blessing. He wants that for us. He has that for us. And so what, what, what ends up happening is we have this idea that we've got to measure up. And part of that has to do with this law mindset. And anytime that you're, you're struggling under something, you're stressing under something, it's because you feel like somehow or another you're lacking or you're lagging behind. And for some of us, that's a lifestyle. I mean, that, that, that pattern of thinking, it's a lifestyle. And you never feel good enough for God. But really, it's not God. It's you never feel good enough for your mom or your dad. You never feel good enough. And you know what? They probably didn't feel like they were good enough for somebody too. And that's why they acted the way they did. But Jesus wants to bring you freedom today. He redeemed you. That word redeemed means he purchased a slave. This is how they did it under the law. They purchased a slave so that they could set the slave free. There had to be a price that was paid. There was a penalty for our sin. A price had to be paid. And that price was paid not just so you could get forgiveness, but so that you could go free. Some of you, your faith needs to rise beyond the level of, praise God, I'm forgiven. And then you find yourself in a sinful spot. You make a decision you, did, you wish you hadn't, and then you feel terrible about yourself. And you say, oh, man, here we go again. Oh, I got to go to the altar again. And we kind of have this, this yo-yo uh, situation that happens, right? We're, we, get, we, we're, we feel forgiven, and then we go back to the sin, and we come back to the Lord, we feel forgiven, and we go back, tracking with, oh, that only happens to me. Okay, let me just, let me just have a therapy session. I'm going to tell myself some good news. Y'all can listen in. Because of Christ, when we believe in him, he's not looking for us to uh, ever get to the place, okay, God, I'm never going to have to pray that prayer again because now I'm free and I, don't, I won't even have to talk to you anymore out of this. It's so great. You never grow out of your need to walk with Jesus. Why? Because you're a son. And he never wants his sons to be independent of him. He always wants to walk with them. 
So maturity in the Lord is, is, not, uh, is getting off the yo-yo and saying, I'm just going to continue my walk with God. I'm going to continue to believe on the Lord. When, whenever, I've, whenever I experience failure, I don't go back and try to pick myself up by my own bootstraps and make some kind of promise to God that you can't keep in the first place. Oh, I'll never do that again. Give that up. That's slave mentality. Live from the new creation part of you. Father, I thank you that your DNA is on the inside of me. And that I am going to continue to grow in holiness and righteousness. It never feels fast enough for us. But can I tell you, having served the Lord since I was 17 years old now, things that were a struggle for me when I was 17 are no longer a struggle for me now. Things that I thought I would never get free of, somewhere along the line, fell off of me. And it wasn't for all my trying. It was just because I simply believed on the Lord. You are a son, not a slave. Don't live in bondage. Don't, don't think that just because you prayed and you got free momentarily that, uh, that that's all there was. Live as a free person. Here's how you do it. We're going to close. The Bible says it this way, uh, that you are dead to sin but alive to God. And so the Bible says, reckon yourself dead. Reckon your, what's that mean? That's an accounting term. So you, so you look at your life and you say, you know what? My flesh really wants to do certain things, but I'm declaring today, according to the word of God, that I'm dead to that. I'm not going to go down that pathway anymore. And I declare it today. And you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. The, the, the flesh can be hard to deal with, but not impossible. It's not impossible to live holy. On your own, it's impossible to live holy. But you got the spirit of sonship on the inside of you. The spirit of God rising up saying, your inheritance is this way, boy. Not that way. This way. And so we follow after him. And the Holy Spirit forms Christ in us. So let's stand this morning. And let's, uh, let's just close our eyes. And let's just ask God. Let's just ask God to free us from this slavery mindset. He wants to liberate you from bondage. He doesn't want to just forgive you uh, of your sin. He wants to free you from it. He wants to cause the shackles that used to hold you back to be completely obliterated. And that only happens when you have an identity shift. You shift from being a person that lived according to law to being a person that lives according to grace. You shift from seeing yourself as a slave. Now I'm a son. A God says I'm a son. He said that. I didn't say that. I didn't make it up. He's the one that said it. And if he said it, it's true. Amen? It's true. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for liberation to happen all over this place. Father, in the name of Jesus, what you began earlier in our service, may you bring it to completion, Lord, right now, in Jesus' name. May the spirit of sonship inhabit our worship. May the spirit of sonship inhabit our prayers, that we are always coming from a place of righteousness. We're not, we're not praying for righteousness. We're praying from righteousness. We're not asking for victory. We are living from victory in our lives, God, because you have already done the work. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
Jesus right now, I just pray that you would strengthen your people. I pray your blessing on them, Lord God, that you would give them insight into this area of sonship. They've struggled in the past because they saw themselves as slaves, but they are no longer slaves. I declare it today in this room. The days of, the, the days of old are done. The days of bondage are broken. The days uh, that we lived uh, in the old way of thinking, the old way of li living, those things are over and done with today. We walk in the newness of life that you have for us. We are sons of the living God. We thank you for that today in Jesus' name.